Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. It's good to see the red light in the back of the room. <laughs> but I know that that represents that you're watching, you're, you're hanging out with us, you're, you're worshiping with us. I, I hope that you're, you're ready to be encouraged because no matter what, and I don't think it's a false courage, you know. Sometimes people talk about religion as if it's like a courage in the face of the Titanic going down, you know, that it's just a crutch and that it's not really helpful. And I even saw, uh, you know, we're all, we should probably all, I like Courtney's post, we should probably... All I, no, yours was don't social distance from Jesus. But I saw a post that said we need to uh, social media distance and take a break from that stuff. Not right now. Wait a minute. Wait till the service is over. Then you can social media distance. But uh, you know, there's just this mindset. Oh, so here, this is. I saw this post, and it was. You know, I take these kinds of things personally because of what it says about the church. But it said. And this was a criticism. I think it was, you know, because I'm connected with a bunch of different people and see all these posts and said something like that. Christians have more faith in hospitals than God right now. Prayer is not working. And it was, you know, it's like, oh, man, I, I, it's, it's challenging that people feel that way. And some of us go through very difficult times and situations, and especially now, you know, when it's collective. But some of the personal things that we go through, you end up feeling like, why pray? I'm not seeing any difference. But I just want to encourage you. Pray. Pray from the perspective of the finished work of Christ. Pray from the perspective of how God sees this. Pray from the perspective of heaven. You know, step outside of this uh, temporary carnal perspective. And when I say carnal, I just mean physical. This physical world that will be restored one day. You know, pray from the perspective of victory. And remember that God is with us, you know. He, he's unlimited in His potential. And so it's like we just need to have this perspective shift to factor God into what we're experiencing, into our lives. And so this is, this is what I'm going to go into uh, today. Um, it being Palm Sunday, I don't know if you guys experienced that or not while that song was going, but I could just really see... That, that perspective, I could see that side of it, you know. I could see the angels looking on and probably all of heaven looking on. I don't really know how it works there as far as their awareness of where we are, but it's a real place. And, and, and you know, maybe for a moment, all of heaven could see Jesus rolling into the city. And it's just, it's just a powerful thing. And so, you know, what, what I want to do today is leave you with a perspective shift. I don't really have a theological point that I'm going to teach through today. More so, today is a day of repentance. <laughs> and repentance means to change your mind. Metanoia, have a change of mind. Change the way that you're thinking. In terms of sin, which for some reason, uh, the church, religion, performance-centered religion, is so good about dragging sin into everything and couching everything in the light of sin and performance and behavior and all that. And it, and it matters, but it's like repentance more than anything is I'm going to remember God. I'm going to factor God into how I'm seeing this perspective. 
What are God's options? What are God's expectations? What is it that God is doing in me, through me, and for me, and wants to lead me into? What is it that God is asking of me in this moment? You know, that, that, those are the catalysts for repentance, not so much, oh, I feel guilty, I've really messed up, I need to go to a God to apologize. No, it's, it's like, no, I've, I've lost sight. And that's, what, that's one of the things that Jesus came to do is uh, bring recovery of sight to the blind, spiritually blind. Of course, physically blind. We know over and over and over He calls blind eyes to see. But He, he, he came to um, help us recover our spiritual sight. And that's really what repentance is. It's, it's like, you know, we just, we just get clouded. We get distracted. We get overwhelmed. Our hearts get overcharged. Something happens. And the, the, the scenario that I laid out a couple of weeks ago, you know, about suffering and tribulation, which I'm not really sure what number that was in this series. The series right now, I'm, I'm actually calling it How to Hear God in a Crisis. But it's like all of that stuff comes in, and especially if a series of bad events happens in your life, it's easy to then look and say, God, what's happening? Why is this? What did I do? And, 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 and factor in all of those things. But what I want to leave you with today as I go into this message is you have equations in your life that you're trying to sort through. And God is a factor that can come in and solve those variables for you and your repentance is to remember who He is, what He's capable of. It's not your job to figure out what needs to happen. It's not your job to tell God what He's supposed to do for you. Did you know that He's smarter than you? <laughs> I mean, the Holy Spirit knows. The Holy Spirit knows better than us. So before I get too far ahead, a, a, a little bit of review from last week. We'll jump into some slides here. This, uh, the message last week was how to hear God in a crisis, but then also the whole series is that. So quickly, some of the ideas out of last week were, if you want to know what God is saying, be intimately familiar with what He said. And we read the passage where it says, you know, so Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and He was tempted to prove His identity by performing a miracle, by performance in general. And He was hungry. The enemy comes in when he was weak, uh, make this stone bread. If you really are the Son of God, turn this stone to bread. Look, I know you're hungry, Jesus. I've been following you around out here. I've been messing with you. I know that you're probably hungry. Just go ahead and feed yourself. If you are the Son of God, you can do that. It's no big deal. Just do it. And Jesus reckoned, no, no. I'm going to see this thing through. I'm going to follow the Lord through this. So um, then he says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And those of us that are charismatic, we still believe in the gifts. We believe God is active, speaking, moving, interacting in our lives today. We make that, this idea that we have to be able to hear God now. Like we have to hear what He's saying. We have to discern messages from God. We have to be able to stop, pray, God, this is going on. What should I do? Do this. Okay, thank you. And then go do that. Like it's a very linear thing to, to live from the voice, the words that come out of his mouth. And that can happen. That can happen where he speaks directly to you. But if you know what he said, you'll know what he's saying. That's one of my slides. I'm out of order here. But it, it brings us to a place where, you know, you don't have to have a new word. You need a living word. In the moment when you're in the pinch, when you're under pressure, when you're going through tribulation, when you are experiencing difficulty, 
especially now with all the different things going on. There's all kind of fear and all kind of potentials and uncertainty. We don't know what the future looks like. And the government is thrusting us headlong into debt. And what are our children and our grandchildren are going to do? And, and all of that stuff, it's like, oh my goodness, I was running along this particular path and this is what it looked like. And it, you know, we all felt like we were so smart and we had our futures planned out. And it's like, then this happens and everything changes. And it may not change. We don't know. This thing may disappear. It's possible, but it might not. And so we have to readjust and we have to factor our life's equations now differently, bringing God in. And so in a moment like this, a lot of you have to make decisions and you want to know. You know, you trust that God will lead you because Jesus said that, that He'd give us His Spirit that's going to lead us and guide us in all truth. And so we're trying to hear God. We're trying to find wisdom. We're trying to know what He's saying in this moment. But we don't need a new word. We need a living word. And so we went through, get in the Bible, know what he said. In fact, in our Facebook uh, group, our Forward Church Online Facebook group, we're, we're doing some daily reading, starting with something very simple, just going through John. <clears throat> and it's probably something that we'll continue to do. But when you know what he said, you will clearly hear what he is saying. So if you know his written word, if you know how he thinks, you know, and I'm not just talking about doctrine. I'm talking about the concepts, conceptually how God reveals himself, how he works, how he thinks about things. You know, I think this is where the, um, the fundamentalists or the scripture only people, you know, the spirit of God has done his thing. He sat down, he's not in it. He's gave it, given us the perfect word of God and we just live from the Bible now. Yeah, I think what they're missing is that it needs to come alive where it's like he's speaking the same thing he spoke and you can live from that in the moment. So <clears throat> we went through this. God quickens his word in you, whether it's something he spoke 3,000 years ago or three seconds ago. It can be alive. It can be just as real. It can be just as nourishing and powerful, filled with wisdom, filled with hope and promise and filled with instruction. Um, so... We want to abide in His Word so that His Word will come alive within us. And then we looked at a couple of uh, apps that are out there, Uversion, Dwell, Bible Project. You know, just get in His Word. If you're, if you're, if you're wanting to know what He said, if you're not wanting to know what He's saying, know what He said. Get in there, read the Word, renew your mind, live that repentant lifestyle by feeding your mind, your intellect with the Word. Open your heart so that it's breathed on at the same time and it comes alive and, you know, it's just the spiritual food that we live from. But today, I want to talk, I have a question for you. Are you factoring God into your equation? You know, this is, this is I'm going to give God credit for this. It's just kind of a clever little uh, illustration, kind of playing with the idea of math equations and, and looking at how to look at the world now how to deal with situations that we find ourselves in. And, and anytime there's change, you know, because... So let me, let me just kind of get all these thoughts out of my head for just a moment, and then I will dig back into and give you something that's um, what I think can be really practical and helpful for you. But you, know, you think about it in this situation, and you're probably having the same kinds of thoughts, but you, you look around and you realize, man, you know, what we think we can depend on in terms of the financial system, the governmental structure society, food supply, you know, medicine supply. And, and of course, there's a degree of lack and abundance already on the planet. You know, we think of our friends in Kenya, Pastor George over there, they're in lockdown. Over in Kenya, 
most of the people, the majority of the people, they go out, they work that day to make enough wage to buy food for their family for that next day or for that night even. So it's day to day. It's not paycheck to paycheck. It's day to day. Paycheck to paycheck is day to day for them. And so there, there are places right now that they're being shut down. And, you know, we think of the American economy as being damaged. And it is. I was talking to my friend Mike Crane yesterday, and he's getting ready to put out some videos and content on his thoughts about it. And it's, you know, it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's true of what we're doing. But those people living from day to day, you know, it, it's like it's, 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 it's challenging how dependent we become on the world's systems. And, and so my thoughts are circling around, what does that look like? You know, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. God is our provider. When Jesus was addressed and, you know, they asked him about finance, should we pay taxes, should we not pay taxes? He didn't say, don't engage in the world system. Don't do this. Basically, he said, pay your taxes. You know, render unto Caesar what's Caesar's. You're in the world, but you're not of the world. You know, respect authority. Live within the laws of the land. All of that was given, but it's like, okay, how do we how do we separate out living in the world, but also knowing that we are not of the world? And so then we looked we looked to extreme examples. We looked to Jesus, who was out there in the desert, fasted for forty days. Angels then came and ministered to him, and I think it even says they brought food to him. I mean, you know, some angel food. That's probably pretty tasty. <laughs> But, but how, how do we do that? And, and, it's, and it's almost like it's, we have a magical mindset of what that looks like, as if we have to totally abandon the world system and live completely dependent on the Spirit of God. The, these are some things that I'm sorting through. I hope you have these questions as well. It's like, I don't want to be in a position where I think I've got my financial plan all carved out and we're moving right along, and the next thing you know, it just crumbles. Because, because it can. We can see overnight things change like that. And so you give it 10 years of something like that, what's that going to look like? You know, at that point, we have to learn how to live by the leading of the Spirit of God, but in a practical way, you know? So it's like one foot in the world. We're in the world. We, we're, 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 you know, we're governed by what's happening here in a certain sense. We are temporary creatures. We need food. There's this system that we are part of. Uh, this economic system, you know, some people have different names for it. I don't know. There's all kind of beast language going on. By the way, if uh, those of you guys that are ministers and pastors, you know, it's difficult in these kinds of times because you've got like 90 different things you want to talk about. So let me let me just finish my thoughts on this, and then I'll jump into something practical. But But we find ourselves in the place where we're asking questions, what does life look like going forward? How do we, you know, am I going to be able to depend on this type of thing? You know, I was taught, you know, your brother uh, is in college. I've got kids moving into high school. Uh, what does school look like? What does this look like? What is, you know, so there's just lots of, there's lots of questions right now, but God knows. So I was thinking about these things in terms of like a math equation, right? So here's what an equation might look like. A plus B equals C. And so these are, at this point, they're all variables. The A, the B, and the C. And sometimes some of those variables are known. Some of these, uh, you know, the, the A might be known, the C might be known, and you have to figure out the B. But 
when you're looking at life as an equation and you're trying to get the world's perspective, you're paying attention to the news, you're paying attention to what the government's doing, you're paying attention to the numbers, you're looking at all this kind of stuff, here's what you have to realize. The world's system is an entropic system. It has an entropic perspective. Entropy means things will tend toward decay, tend toward decline. Anything left of one of Newton's laws, anything left on its own will tend toward decline. That is the filter through which the world discusses these things. The world does not even factor in the possibility of God moving. The world will not factor in the possibility of prayer changing something. So I'm not even talking about what God is doing or should do, but just the idea that He's a part of the equation changing things, you know? And so you get the intellectual world looks and basically just... Just basically, because God is too much of a variable, just rationalizes God out of the equation. Let's just remove God out of the equation because that is such a variable. There's nothing constant. There's nothing dependable. If he, was, if I was God, I'd make the you know the world rationalizes from this scientific equation perspective has no way to see how God can interact in this situation and just rationalizes, just factors him straight out of the way. And I think we do that. I think, I think what we do is we get used to life, we have our little boxes, and then something changes, small or large, and then we find out what's really in us. Our initial reaction to something shows us what's written on your heart. Your initial action being fear. What is it? Oh, do I need to go get a check? Do I need to? And I'm not saying, I'm not against these stimulus checks. You know, people are asking about the church. I, I, don't, have any, I don't have any plans for our church to run down and get a check. From what I understand, there's, it's a loan. There's interest attached to it. We don't have any loans. We're debt-free. Um, you know, and of course, I'm sure people are going to this and that. And, and so right now, everybody's trying to figure out this equation in light of depending on all different kinds of things. What if we weren't in a rich nation? Now, you know, there's a lot of you watching that are around the world. Your, your, your country doesn't have the capacity to send you checks. The world always factors in entropy. In fact, the world's perspective is death and decay. So when you're listening to the numbers, you're listening to the projections, you're paying attention to this is what could potentially happen. This is what the world could look like. This is what life could look like going forward. It does not factor in God into the equation. It factors in we're at this state, and if it gets worse, this is what it's going to look like. And so best-case scenario, all they have is worst-case scenario. <laughs> and and they, don't even, they don't even realize it. The world actually depends on death as a constant. So when you're, when you're thinking about these kinds of things, Pay attention to whatever world sources that you want to pay attention to, but check with heaven. Check with the kingdom of God. Check with what God has said, what He has done, because that is what He will do, because He's the same yesterday and forever. Now, don't forget the new covenant. Don't forget that Jesus completely changed the context through which God is relating to mankind. You know... I, People are talking about this is judgment. They're, you know, the lack of discernment and understanding about Jesus as the offering, the sin offering for the entire world, 
it, it would be illegal for God to judge, to pour out judgment right now on anything because Jesus already paid the price for that. It'd be like a judge dismissing a case and then going and knocking on somebody's door and trying to drag them and put them in jail. They've already exonerated them. They've already set them free. Boy, I can hear the questions. I can even hear them coming through the camera. It would, be, it would be illegal for God to pour out judgment right now because He already poured it all. He all. Jesus already paid the price. Jesus was arrested, tried, judged, executed, paid the penalty on our behalf, on the whole world's behalf, for the sin of all mankind. Well, that kind of sounds like universalism. Everybody, no. That just means that God has removed the thing that He has against humanity, which is sin. He's not holding our sin against us. You know, we're taught that. We have the message of reconciliation. Go into the world. Preach the good news, the gospel. God is not holding your sin against you. That's the whole world. And not so that they can get away with it. I mean, there is an end. There is a separation at the end based on whether or not you've received Christ. That's the only judgment that, could be, that you might experience is whether or not you have Jesus and works for reward for believers, but <clears throat> boy, death is the only constant that the world can filter everything through. Now, what we know is that God is constant. God is dependable. So let's jump back in here. I kind of got off on a tangent there for a minute. All right, play along with me here. Those of you, if, you, if you've never seen these kinds of things, most of you probably have. But let's figure this out, right? So 5 plus B equals 10. What is B? 5. A times 10 equals 100. What is A? 10. All right, now, kind of more practical. Virus plus B equals health. That's like the, that's like the kids' church answer. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to solve B, but Jesus. <laughs> and that's right. Of course that's right. But how, Jesus? You know, how, how virus plus Jesus equals health? Well, a childlike mindset says, it's a no-brainer. Jesus is more powerful than the virus. Jesus desires to heal. He showed us God's nature that He is a healer. What else do you need to know? Well, there are those that will say, that's not enough for me. I need to figure out. I need to know the details. And we jump into that scientific mindset and we try to figure out what Jesus is supposed to do to be that variable to bring about health. All right, how about this one? Economic depression or even economic difficulty. Economic difficulty or depression times B equals more than enough. Jesus! <laughs> and it's true, but how is Jesus B to equal more than enough? How about this one? Fear plus B equals joy. <laughs> and everybody at home that's everybody in this room is Jesus, but, but it's true. But see, so the scientific mindset wants to make B a constant. So there's experiments are done, right? 
in mathematics, uh, in chemistry, whatever, you're looking at equations, you see the result, you see your factors, fear and B are your factors, you see your results, joy, and some of those factors are known and some of them are unknown. The unknowns are variables. And so what, what the scientific world tries to do is isolate the variable and make the variable a known. Known to the degree where it becomes then repeatable, a whole hypothesis is created, which then becomes law because this variable is now known and that it becomes a constant and then we can do this. We can now do this plus this equals this all the time, always, and it's now scientific law. But here's the problem. That's spiritual in nature for what we're trying to figure out. We are trying to figure out how in the world sickness plus Jesus equals health. Now we know that that should be the results, and this is something that drives the scientific world, especially in quantum physics. When people, when, when the scientific world, the, 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 the world of physics discovered that at a quantum level, uh, the matter seems to behave differently than a large level, it blew their mind. And so people, the physics world is looking for a new model of physics, a new set of constants, a new model to define why the quantum world seems to behave differently than the macro world. It's kind of similar in spirit. It just doesn't make sense to the logical mindset, to the scientific mindset. How does God factor into my life's equation to bring about favorable results? To the point where, okay, so let's say now that you're a believer, you know that the variable is God. So God is the known. But you don't still understand yet how that variable affects the, the equation to bring about that result. Here's the thing. If you can suspend having to know, you're actually more open to receive from Him. It's the Mark 4 principle. Jesus says, you sow the Word in your heart. It will produce after its own kind, and here's how it works. It's like the farmer casts seed in the ground, goes to sleep, wakes up, doesn't know how it happens, Produces fruit after its own kind. Well, I'm doing some kind of sign language there. Did you see that? <laughs> Have you guys seen the Georgia guy? The, the, the guy, the sign guy behind the governor, the Georgia governor? The bald, bearded. Man, that guy's awesome. He, I want to go to a party with him. He's, he's all over the place. <laughs> he, did the, he did the word for panic. I just happened to walk in the room, and Sarah, Sarah like never watches it, but she was watching him, and the, and the computer screen was turned. because oh, I think it was an update from the governor. <laughs> And, the, and the, the governor said, panic. And, the, and I saw this guy, literally, he leaned down. And he, that was, I guess that's the sign for panic. Anyway, people that know sign language, you can tell me, but that's what he did. Anyway, how in the world can fear plus B equals joy? How in the world can sickness plus B equal health? Well, God's the factor. Now, what I really just, very simple idea. This is just the simplest idea that I want to leave with you. And then I'm actually going to go into a passage and then we'll end. But the simple idea is factor God into your equation. God is constant. God is dependable. You may not understand how the variable of God in your life's equations will bring about the desired results. And see, that's what happens is in the scientific world, if you think that, if you preclude that you know 
why that variable is going to produce those results, you may create the wrong environment and conditions and actually not get the results that you're looking for. If you think that you already know how it's supposed to go, you're actually constricting and limiting the, the uh, unlimited capacity of God. You know, when you try to bring it about in your own intellect, in your own thinking, you put God in, okay, God, I've created this particular environment. Here are all my factors that you need to get into my equation the way that I say to bring about this result for me that might be a legal res uh, uh, result for you to expect, but it's like, I've got this environment and this, these conditions, Lord. If you do this, 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 and this, and this, and this, then I'll get this desired result for me. You can't do that. You just can't do that. A lot of times people will look at the results, then look at the variable and think that they know how that variable came about. I, I was watching this preacher one time and he had a sick son. He's super loaded, I guess. He said he gave a million dollars and his son got healed and therefore God honored his million dollar blessing and healed his son. <laughs> Baloney. Here's what probably happened. That, that guy gave and then had the confidence to believe for a miracle. Like, like giving on that capacity gave him a boldness, self-righteous as it may be, it still put his heart in a place to believe that that is possible now. You know, th there's all kind of variables that we don't understand. God is, God is pretty flexible in terms of how we receive from Him. Remember to factor God into your life's equations. Fa remember to factor God's favor into your life equations. You know, and, and then you trust. Acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. I don't have this passage in my notes, but the natural mind receives not the things of the Spirit. The mind that thinks, even the spiritual mind that thinks it knows all the variable capacities of how God can bring about something is even limiting. You know, in the quantum realm, uh, they say that all matter exists in the state of superposition. In other words, it's everything is nothing but potentials. And these are, these are actually scientific statements that they make based on things like the double slit experiment, and then they've done different experiments uh, w with how uh, uh, light particles, you know, single neutrons operate. Um, and, they, and, and so one of the conclusions, like actual scientific conclusions that the quantum physics world comes to is to say the observer has an effect on the conclusion. And the observer can change the outcome. And the absence of an observer actually causes physical matter to behave like a wave rather than a particle. So you remove the observer out of the equation and imagine a BB becoming a wave of water and existing on different levels all at the same time rather than just one single point. That, that's the example. And so when we think God has one way of doing it and He needs to do it this way, we're collapsing all of God's potentials because we're only opening ourselves up to one. That is naturally minded. 
We as believers can be naturally minded. We think that that's the carnal people, that's unbelievers, that's people going to hell. The natural mind, the natural mind, natural is evil. No, natural mind just means A plus B equals C. And I need to know all those factors and have the right conclusion so that I understand the equation fully. Well, you're not going to understand God's equation. You're not, they don't, still don't know, understand quantum physics. Certainly we're not going to be able to know and, and, and isolate all the variables of how God can move in our lives all we can do is try to stay open. When you pray, don't tell God what to do. It's fine to have your desired result, the conclusion that you think that you have the right to expect based on the blood of Jesus, and you do. But don't tell God what to do. He knows what you need before you ever even ask. You are His favored child. He wants to bring His blessings into your life. He has plans. He has an unlimited amount of plans of how to bring that stuff into your life. Our job is to receive. So back to the natural mind receives not the things of the Spirit. Operative word receives. The natural mind receives not the things of the Spirit. The spiritual mind receives the things of the Spirit. How does the spiritual mind get the things of the Spirit? It receives them. When you're factoring your life's equations, you just have to receive God as the variable. He's dependable. He is constant. But you're not going to know how He is that variable and that constant. Afterward, you might see how He brings it into your life. But, you know, we're a bunch of farmers. We're, we're spiritual farmers. We just trust that we're going to plant this seed and it will produce. Now, our job is to not let fear, worry, cares of this world, lust of other things, the deceitfulness of riches creep in. So right now, the deceitfulness of riches is like probably the main thing in the body of Christ that's constricting us from experiencing the supernatural provision of God. And so I had this, I had this idea, you know, what if we had a president or a group of people or a pastor in some way some kind of leader, some type of team. Like, like we've got this uh, pandemic team or whatever it's called, the infectious disease team that's working within the White House and WHO around the world and all these different groups. What if we had a spiritual council on this planet that came to present to the world, this is what God's saying, and if we handle our crops this way, and if we handle our resources this way, and if we would do this, and if we would do that, and then boom, watch the abundance and the blessing all over the planet. I mean, think about that. Think about a spiritual council that, it, that God had planted in this earth to show us how to manage our resources in such a way where we actually yield to His provision and His leading. You know, the church should be that. We should be rising up with answers right now. This is something that I'm taking personally. I'm willing to take personal responsibility as a child of God, a representative and a member within His kingdom, a, 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 a citizen, an ambassador that is empowered by my kingdom to come into this world and represent the Father and bring messages into this earth that will bring about a shift where this world trusts God to the point where we then allow Him to be our King. We allow Him to be the one that is bringing restoration and guidance and strategy. 
I had an interesting experience just a few days ago, and it, and it, and it you know, it was angelic in nature, and I'm not going to go into the details, but it was, it was all about straight, it was all about managing freedom, not, you know, managing is not a great word, but, but taking personal responsibility of the freedom that we have to then turn that to receive strategies from heaven to then live toward this world. So you just think about it in terms of like, what if the president... You know, what, what if the, what, I don't know, let's say, let's say the, whatever the guy in Zimbabwe is, let's say that this guy hears God, God tells him, this is what you do on the planet, and from now on, you're going to have no more viruses, you're going to have no more lack, and you'll have plenty of food to feed everybody. Do you, do you think God could do that? Let me, let me ask you that question. Do you think God could speak to somebody on this planet that has an idea of how to manage our natural resources in such a way that there's more than enough for the entire population and people don't have to worry about how to shrink the population. I do. So how do we manage that freedom? How do you become comfortable with trusting that God is the constant in the equation, that He is dependable, but you suspend the need to to, to, uh, work out the equation where you define the variable, the variable on your own terms, but you let God define those things. In your personal life, and this is something that I've been telling people a lot lately, uh, lately is pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. When you pray in the Spirit, uh, when you pray with your intellect, your understanding, you know, you're praying that. But when your spirit prays, you're praying those secrets of heaven. You're praying the will of God. You're praying what God would want into this earth. And life and death are in the power of the tongue. Revelation can come. You build yourself up. You edify. I watched one guy talk about, I, just, I think it was John MacArthur, you know, Mr. Reformed guy. And it was pretty masterful how he did it. He went through and he said that we, uh, we need to value prophecy over tongues even though prophecy is not happening anymore, so I would take issue with his contradiction there. But, uh, <laughs> but he basically laid out this idea of how actually praying in tongues is selfish and demeaned it because Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 seems to talk about how prophecy is better and the gift of tongues is for personal edification There is warning, don't just jump out in tongues without an interpretation. And totally diminished it away in favor of prophecy and then says, well, those gifts aren't working anymore anyway. It's like, which is it? You're going to discredit it and make people feel selfish for praying in tongues? Or it's not happening anymore? Which one? Somebody send this video to him. I'd love to hear his answer. Anyway, so praying in the Spirit. Let's just go through this. We got time, right? You can come back and watch later if you don't want to finish watching now. Romans 8, we're going to start in 18. I'm going to go through several passages and then we'll finish. I'm going to go, the reason I'm going into this is because I think the way that you sit within peace of allowing God to be that variable in your life's equations, what can you do in the meantime? How do I receive? If the spiritual mind receives the things of the Spirit, how do I? What, what is my part? Your part is to stay in faith. Your part is to not limit God by getting in fear, by the deceitfulness of riches. I had a whole thing on that, but I think I'm going to skip that maybe next week. But your job is to keep your heart open. 
by not looking to the world, having a death mindset define your expectations. One of the greatest ways to do that is pray with your spirit. Open your mouth. Dig down. Some of you don't pray in tongues. Some of you don't pray in the spirit. Just start. You know, it's, it's, you, if, you, if you're born again, you have the Spirit of God within you. You're not waiting for a second infilling. You're actually waiting for the Spirit to come upon you. And that's up to you to open yourself up and yield to that anointing rising up within you and you exercising that gift. You don't have to sit and tarry for the Holy Spirit for 14 years after you get born again. It's in you. Yield to it. Use it. You don't like that? Change the channel. All right. Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings... Now, this is in context of the persecution. You know, they're being killed. They're being arrested. They're actually being beaten and said, don't preach that gospel stuff anymore. So it's a little bit more... Now, in the, some of the world, that is happening. Right now, what we're experiencing, this virus and all this stuff and the economic ripple effect and the psychological damage that's going to the toll that that will take on people that are afraid now to go out in public and we're going to be suspicious. And, you know, I saw a post, somebody was like, anyway, let me keep going here. So I consider that our present sufferings are not comparable to the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen. Praise God. You really could just take that, repent based on that passage, change your attitude, Shift your thinking based on that particular, just that one idea. You know, this stuff that we're going through, it just doesn't even compare to what's going to be revealed in us. The kind of life that we're going to have in Christ, man, I don't care what I'm experiencing in this life. Are you kidding me? The creation waits in eager expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. Amen. For the creation was subjected to futility, not by its own will, but because of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay, the entropy, the death that we see happening. That, that's, like, that's all that the news can report on is the bondage of the earth to decay. But we know, and it has something to do with the revelation of the sons of God, uh, that that bondage of decay brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. Now, if you push that off into, uh, you know, the second coming and the restoration of all things and all that, that, that's fine, but it's still a hope and it's still a potential. It's still a factor that we bring into our equations when we're looking at life from now on. All right, so let's keep going. Romans 8, 22. We know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until the present time, not only that, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is not hope at all. Who hopes for what he can already see? So, you know, it's, it's like hope works best when you can't see what it is that you're expecting. That, that's like the nature of hope. You have a positive expectation of these things that Jesus promised and died for. But how do we engage in that? How do we live within that? How do we let God be the constant variable? <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's a term in physics or not, but the constant variable, it's, con it's paradoxical. But He is that constant variable because He's unlimited in His variations of how to be a blessing in our lives. As we're talking about our part, keeping our hearts open and using these gifts. So... But if we hope for what we do not yet see, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. All right. 
in the same way. What does that mean in the same way? Well, we don't yet see it, but we have hope for it that we will see. That's talking about uh, the, the earth being set free from the bondage of decay. Then he shifts, he says, okay, in the same way. So what he's doing, it's kind of a preacher thing where he's like, this is the big picture, now let me make it practical for you. Do you see that? There's a turn of phrase here that we're not talking about the earth being set free anymore, although that is kind of still the ripple effect. In the same way, now let's talk about you. Uh, in the same way, in the same way that hope holds on to and expects the freedom that we know will come. In the same way, the Spirit, so there's things that you're hoping for that you know are yours, that God has promised. In that same way, here's how that comes about. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Are you weak right now? Be careful when you're weak because that's when the enemy comes knocking too. You know, all this isolation that's happening, I, I've mentioned it, but uh, alcohol, substance abuse is, is up domestic abuse in the home because people are isolated. In isolation, we, we make new normals. We, we do things that, that are not, when we're engaged in, in, in the world around us and with people, when we isolate, all the weird comes out. You know, porn is, consumption is on the rise. All the bad stuff is on the rise. Be careful, watch out because the enemy will come knocking too and leverage that weakness to his advantage and when we all come out of this, you know, I can imagine we're, those of us that feel like we got to go to apologize to God again for our behavior, the altars are going to be full once the church is open again because all that sinning people are doing behind doors. Anyway, that's kind of a joke, not really. Uh, so, for we don't know, so in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how we ought to pray. You ever felt like that? Like right now, think about it. I don't know what to pray. What do I pray? How do I pray? I'm not even sure prayer works. You're in this category. We don't know how to pray. But, say but, the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Now, there's a correlation, there's cross-references in here to Paul's teaching on praying with your spirit in 1 Corinthians, or yeah, um, that relates to your spirit praying, and this, the spirit himself and the deep groanings which can't be uttered, praying in an unknown tongue. Uh, and we know that God works. So, so then, after all of that, you don't know what to pray, but you yield to God, you praise within you, you connect with what God is praying, you, that comes out of your mouth in an unknown tongue. It builds you up in the process. Nobody knows what you're saying. If it's in a church context, somebody should interpret. But for you, then this is the result. And then we know God works all things together for good for those who love Him, who are called according to His purposes. For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, that is actually a transition into Romans 9 where he's going to talk about the Jews and their place and who God is and who they are and how Gentiles can be brought into the kingdom and the potter and the clay thing. And Romans 9 basically says, God can do whatever he wants to do. Here's an example of how he can do whatever he wants to do. Look at Pharaoh 
And what God wants to do now is save Gentiles. But that's really a whole other teaching. Those predestined are not the ones, the elect, that God decided could be saved or couldn't be saved. The elect were the chosen people of God, the Israelites, through whom which God picked to birth the Messiah through into the earth and then, and then uh, transitioned into saving Gentiles. And now the true children of Abraham, the elect, are the ones that receive Christ by grace through faith. That's a whole other thing, and there are, there are whole systems of theology built on that, that if you kick out that, you know, it's, it's like people have a really hard time with realizing that the, the Jews were the elect, and then it changed. Anyway, I don't want to keep spinning on that. So back to this. After, when you don't know how to pray, then when you connect to the Spirit of God and He Himself is praying in you, for you, through you, deep within your heart, words that cannot be uttered, and that comes out of you and you pray in the Spirit, then all things work together for good for those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. This passage right here gets applied to death, job loss, losing a loved one, you know, this economy, all kinds of people will just lift Romans 8, 28 magically right out of context and apply it to anything and say, well, we don't understand, but God works everything for our good. Car wrecks, whatever. That, you cannot do that. You can't do that. You can't take this isolated passage and just simply apply it to whatever circumstance you think God might be doing to you in your life. It doesn't work that way. What, in context, what this is talking about is connecting to God, being led by Him, praying in the Spirit, then all things work together for you. Why? Because you're trusting Him. You're tr so in the same way that Christ will ultimately set the earth free and we will receive the redemption of our bodies, in the same way the Spirit is praying for you, through you, to set you free from life's circumstances. And when you yield to Him at that level and you speak out of that, in His unlimited capacity, can go into your life and then work things out for your good. What the enemy meant for good, then God, uh, bad, the, enemy, the God can then use for good and, and bring about a favorable result for you. That is how, so put all this together, the equation, you know, something like this, economic depression times B equals more than enough. The B that you're working on and trying to figure out how that variable brings out more than enough, pray in the Spirit. Co-labor with God with the gift of praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit because you are yielding your heart to God's will in your life to bring about what Jesus paid for. Am I going to pray in tongues and make things happen and create my own future? Not, not really. You're just getting into agreement with what God wants for you. It's all about God's will. You're, you're shifting your heart and your mind and your expectations and how you think away from death back to life. And praying in the Spirit builds you up. It edifies you. It strengthens you. And it's co-laboring with God because mankind has authority in this earth. And then how does that go out into the world and cause everything to work together for your good? Well, I think it's like a farmer that casts seed in the ground. He doesn't know. Goes to sleep, wakes up. Quit trying to figure out all those variables. You can't. You won't. You'll drive yourself crazy, and you'll talk yourself out of the gifts. See, that's why so many intellectual people within the body of Christ cannot 
factor in the gifts of the Spirit into their equations of following Jesus because they can't control it down to a constant and make it repeatable to come to the same exact results every single time. Well, if God said that we could heal, then why don't you go on down to the hospital and bring and heal everybody down there in the hospital? That's the kind of mindset that comes out of a carnal thinker. That's the kind of mindset that comes out of someone that doesn't understand that you have the personal responsibility to yield to God to basically allow Him to move in your life. Now, if God wanted to break His own rules and then just make anything happen in His life, in your life, that He wants to, He would be taking away His original statement of giving mankind dominion on this planet. He says He doesn't get, affairs, doesn't get involved in the affairs of men. But... When you collaborate with Him, you are working with Him, and He is working in you and through you. Now, He is out. He sees all, and He knows what, how to lead you. He knows what needs to happen. He knows how to make impossible things, seemingly impossible things, turn for you. Do you think He wants to do that for you? Will He do that for you? Over and over and over again. I just preached a few weeks ago. They came to Jesus. You know, if you are willing, if I'm willing... All things are possible for those who believe. Praying in the Spirit helps your believer work. You know, it, helps you, it helps condition and toil up that soil and, 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 and make your heart rich for the Word of God and the Spirit of God to grow and manifest into your life. There's just this interactive part of us collaborating with Him. And you're not going to have it all figured out. You don't get to know all of the equations but we do know some things. And this kind of goes back to another message I did a couple of weeks ago. What do we know? When you're seeking to connect with God and experience what we know we have the legal right to expect as a result of what Jesus did, what do we know? And that's a question that's asked in the scientific world, the economic world, the investigative world in law enforcement. What do we know? Let's start with the facts. All right, here's the facts. We have this. And we know God says this, by His stripes we're healed. He is our provider. He wants to meet our needs. So the outcome should be that our, our needs are met according to His riches and glory, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, so that we may prove out the acceptable, good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. That's why God wants to bless us abundantly, because it's His will. And when, we ble when we're blessed, it proves His will. So... We have what He wants. We have what we know the conclusion should be. We know certain things. I believe Him. I trust Him. I've kept my heart of Him. We don't know the variables. In that state of letting God be God, which is just crazy to think about, let Him be God. Take your hands off. Don't get into that natural logic. Like, Don't rationalize your future based on this virus. Don't rationalize your economic financial status for your future based on how the global economy is responding to the effects of this virus. Factor also in who God is. God can make a way where there is no way. God is the God of the impossible. He's a comforter. He's a redeemer. He's a restorer. He is a provider. He, so these are factors. These are, so you're trying to figure out the variable. How's God going to be this? Well, you add what you know to it to affirm, to strengthen, shore up your belief, to you stay in faith toward Him. And you factor in things like um, all of the stuff that we know about Him, you know, that He went about doing good and healing all, 
that were oppressed of the enemy, that he's conquered death, that, that we are the head and not the tail, that he destroyed the enemy, that he stripped the enemy of all power, that the, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, the sin that was against us. So in other words, we're free from judgment. We are free from the penalty of breaking the covenant. It doesn't mean you just get to run out. In fact, what it means is steward that freedom well, live uprightly, keep your heart open so that you're not going to limit. Don't take it, don't let your freedom in Christ open the door for sin because you're hardening your heart and, and, and causing yourself to not be open to His transformative power and all of His blessings. Factor Him in. Factor in the fact that He favors you. You know, maybe that's some homework that I'll put in the blog of how we do this. It's like, all right, here's the constants and the knowns in your life. Here's what God says of what we know we can have based on Christ. And the variable of how to get this result from these knowns and this unknown, I don't know, but this is what I do know about this variable. And you build as much of a picture that is consistent with the nature of God around that variable and you trust that He will be that in your life. You know, and, I, and I pray that's helpful. I pray that makes sense. And I, I pray that you remember that. I pray that when you're sitting there and you're, you're reasoning and you're figuring out, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do about my job? What am I going to do about this? Okay, there's an unknown here. I don't know some things about this equation. God knows let me turn and yield to Him. Scripture says, if I acknowledge Him, He'll direct my paths. Okay, let me acknowledge You, Lord. I can reasonably, reasonably expect God to lead me. You shift, you repent, you turn back. No, I'm going to factor God into this. I'm going to trust. I'm going to stay at peace. I'm not going to be swayed by the deceitfulness of riches. I'm not going to let the cares of this world, the lust of other things, choke out what I know should be my results and you manage your faith. You stay in faith toward Him. Amen. And also, so praying in the Spirit is something that you add to that factor, that equation. Um, but I want to talk about giving for just a minute. You know, we as a church are, are fine, honestly. You know, we're, people are like, well, how's the offerings? Well, they were low for a couple weeks, but probably back up again, <clears throat> you know, looking at numbers this week. And it's like, I, I think those of us that have been part of this church for a while, especially on staff and leadership, we just, we're, we're to a place where it's like, you know, I mean, we've just seen God provide for far too long. I, I'm just not going to worry about finances. And there's really not even anything to worry about right now. There's just not. Um, if you have that kingdom perspective. But let me, let me encourage you in this. I was talking to a friend of mine, Pastor Dean Taylor, who messaged me. And these are some thoughts that I was thinking about. But I like the way that he said this, and I want to share it with you. He said, be bold and give the people an opportunity to exercise faith through giving. And I like that. I believe that. I agree with that. I don't think giving forces God's hand. I don't think giving qualifies you for some uh, exponential return just because you worked some kind of spiritual law there are spiritual laws, but here's what giving does. Giving, it's like, here's the picture that I saw when I was praying about how to talk about giving for this particular, the end of this message. 
And, and it's even based on Adam and I were talking about continuing to put back 10% into our, you know, our fund that we predominantly will use for a building, but then we're also, if whatever comes, you know, we, we've taken out of that fund and built the church in Kenya before. We've taken out of that and done all types of ministry work before. It's not that that money's just going to sit there until we can buy property in a building. It's earmarked for that, but whatever God moves on our heart to use that for, it's a reserve. It's a storehouse that we can use. Uh, I don't even anticipate to have to use it in this. You know, I don't, I don't, I, I don't think we need uh, to depend on the government for stimulus. If you need to go get a check, go get a check. But factor in kingdom stimulus as well. The kingdom has plans and ideas to infuse capital into your life, into your bank account, into your future. You know, trust God, He's unlimited. It's just the perspective shift back to God to open our hearts, to let Him be part of these decisions that we're making. So the picture that I saw was like a train on a track. And if you've ever seen this, where a train can divert off, like in the, in the train yard, when it comes in and they want to divert the train over to another track and it parks over here, there's a, there's a switch. So the track's lined up and then it switches and the train can go on a different track and go over here and park. And, and I think our heart has tracks and switches within it. This is the picture that I saw. And so it's like, People have asked me, well, should I keep giving? Should I? And I don't, I'm not going to manipulate. I'm very open with how I talk about finances. We don't make any empty promises. You know, we have things that we want to do as a church. I have certain beliefs that I think church members should participate in. If you're watching this and you're one of our church members, give, keep giving. If you don't give, start giving, especially now. So the picture I saw was the train track is trying to shift so that the train moves over here and parks. And we've got this little mechanism within our heart, follow me for just a minute, that's trying to divert off, you know, where we're normally giving, where we're normally participating, we're taking of our finances, our first fruits, call it 10%, giving into the church for the work of the ministry. If you have value for what this ministry does in your life, you give to it. If you, if this, if this, if you, if there's a purpose that you have to participate with what's going on in this body, you, you sow into it. If it doesn't, then you don't give and you're not condemned for it. It's pretty simple. So, but anyway, this picture that I see is this, it's like, and, and so the world is trying to change that track for you. The world is trying to shift that transition to move, cause your financial train to move in a different direction. And it's like, oh, I'm being pulled to, I'm being pulled to tighten now. I'm being pulled to not, I'm being, and it's like, no, you have to, boom, you, you have to bring that back yourself. One of the ways that you cause your heart to stay in faith toward God and stay open to his unlimited potentials is give. Giving teaches your heart to trust God. It just does. There's no magical response that God is going to then bring into your life because you gave, but it keeps the channel open. You don't want to close your heart off. See, if you stop giving, it's because you feel like there's something going on in your environment where you need to control the process and you're dependent on this. See, giving, especially in hard times, causes your heart to open to God and depend on Him. This doesn't make any sense. Now, don't be reckless. Don't be irresponsible in your giving. Don't think that, okay, well, now that I've given, now you owe me, God. Don't do that. 
It's not a legalistic thing. It's a spiritual interactive thing in your heart. Praying in tongues keeps your heart open. Giving keeps your heart open. You want your heart open because out of your heart flow all the issues of life. It's where God spreads, sheds abroad His love. It's where the Word of God is sown. You know, imagine that. Imagine if a cap was put over your garden and it could only grow to some degree. That's kind of what being stingy does. Being stingy caps off the, the growth potential that you could be experiencing by giving and continuing to trust God, keeping your heart open, remaining in faith toward Him. Because He says, those, whatever you pray, if you believe that you have received, it will be yours. And giving does that. Giving causes you, it, it, if, if, you're, if from the right perspective, causes that heart to shift back to the, tr the track where you're going to stay open to the Lord. I've had people even ask me, should I continue to give? Should I not continue to give? You know, and my thought is, um, nobody's standing here to offend right now, so I can just say it, you know. But if you want to come out of this trusting God, you, you should probably should keep giving. But if you want to depend on your own earning capacity, yeah, depend on yourself, quit giving. And that might not be the fairest way to say that. And, and I'm, you know, but I'm just trying to be honest and open about what I really believe about what finance and what I really feel like is going on with our hearts in, in the area of generosity and experiencing God. You know, if you want to experience unlimited potential kingdom results, then you have to have your heart open to that capacity. You know, a lot of people are going to be going down to their banks, dependent on that, dependent on the world system. That's fine. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that. I, I do not think that it's a lack of faith to go get a check from the government. I, that's not even remotely the point that I'm trying to make. I'm just saying that in this process, keep your heart open to Him and your giving of finances causes a track that might normally be open to try to divert to your own control back to staying open and keeping, keeping your heart in faith toward Him. If anything, giving can cause your heart to continue to stay open and in faith toward Him. And, and I hope that blesses you. I hope that ministers to you. And, you know, I think that once this blows over, I think you're going to see a lot of change coming out of the church collective across the, the whole world. The body of Christ is having a perspective shift. You know, <clears throat> there, I know there's a lot of criticism and attack on big buildings and all this kind of stuff. And I'm not even, I, I don't know. It's a variable that I don't know, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that we come out of this with the church having a renewed perspective of what it looks like to trust God and manage resources under His direction and leadership. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually hopeful. But if you're in this situation and, you, you know, you're having difficulty even with food or job or finances or any of that type of stuff, we pray for you. You know, I, I, I can only imagine the kinds of horror stories that we're going to hear after this thing kind of dies down. Because I'm sure there are people going through things right now that we're not going to hear about until several months from now, and it's going to be probably shocking what some people are going through. And my heart breaks for that. I, 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 I can't imagine it. So if you're watching this right now, you're listening to this, my prayer for you is that you just remain in peace, you keep your heart open toward the Lord, and, and you trust that He can be involved in your life in a way that you may not know right now, but that can bring peace and comfort and direction and guidance and leadership into your life to bring you to a place where His good plans come to pass in your life. Let me end in prayer. Father, we trust You. We love You.
as of this moment, it is hard to know what to pray, but here's the picture in my mind that I believe to pray from today is that the entire body of Christ, the entire collectum of your kingdom children, Father, I thank you that we have power in our voice. I thank you that your spirit is inside of us. And I believe that if we would rise up with one voice and speak, and not just speak, but act and move and believe and be moved by you, that we can come out of this with strategies. Father, I thank you that your church, your people, your kingdom citizens come out of this with strategy, with kingdom strategies to go into the world and reshape the world to reflect your kingdom. Father, I thank you that we are not limited to death. I thank you that we are not looking at the future through the filter of entropy and everything tending toward decay. I thank you that we are looking at the world through the filter of your kingdom, that there's hope, that there's abundant blessing available as we follow you. We are not, you know, pe people are people are saying that the world has changed and the nation has changed and will never be the same. Well, I hope so. I hope that what this does is teaches us to depend on you. I don't think for a second, Lord, that you sent us this to bring us back to you or any of that type of stuff. You gave us Jesus to bring us back to you. So, Father, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that the church comes out of this with kingdom strategies, kingdom strategies, personal responsibility, managing our freedom well, living now with the strategies of heaven, so that your church will be a blessing to the nations. That is my expectation. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for everybody watching, maybe in a difficult situation. Just help them, comfort them. You're the comforter. You're the provider. You're the Holy Spirit. I trust you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are moving in people's lives. Even in this moment, you're setting them free. Any sickness, disease, or illness, Father, we speak to that. Father, I thank you that your spirit is alive and active, moving, bringing about your kingdom potentials, bringing about the, the, the effects of the cross, bringing about what Jesus paid for. I trust you and I know that's your desire. We love you. We love you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for loving us. All hail King Jesus. We rejoice with all of heaven at the will of our King giving himself on our behalf. Father, we thank you, we love you, we trust you. Amen, amen. One last thing, we would normally um, have communion that we do collectively on the first Sunday um, of a month, but Adam and I were speaking, and I think we're going to actually plan a communion uh, live stream. Maybe Wednesday, I'm not sure, we'll have to get together, but have a little bit of worship and, and take, actually take communion together uh, in celebration of what Jesus accomplished for us. You know, next week I'm going to go into how Jesus is the actual fulfillment of what God was foreshadowing in the Passover lamb the, at the deliverance of uh, Egypt. But anyway, I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Look for that. Um, be ready to participate in that communion. Have your elements ready, but... If you do want to participate in giving to this church, if you're a member, I invite you to. If you're not a member, if you're somebody watching online, a lot of people consider this their home church, I invite you to give. You can go to our website, forward.church, slash give, or you can text your, the amount that you'd like to give to 84321. 
we're, we're helping people. We are looking at ways to, um, you know, help those that we can. Um, people even sent some checks in uh, this week. If you'd like, you can go to the website. The address is on the About Us page. Um, but I invite you to give. Be generous. Use it as an opportunity to stay in faith toward God. Keep your heart open to Him because He is involved. He's active. You can trust Him. And remember, factor God into your equation, your life's equations. When you're seeking to make your decisions, you're trying to figure out what the future looks like, you're trying to figure out what your decisions are, factor God in, build into that variable what you know, and rest. Rest in the faithfulness of God. Amen. Thank you. Love you. God bless you guys. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.